1: I'd gone away. There was a change of ownership, and I came back. And I remember thinking, "That ain't gonna last." There was a boycott. Sort of fans were boycotting the club. Um, I carried on working there. It was, it was very difficult. We had lads drunk on the plane to start off with. The manager's saying, um, I'm going to have them send them back on the first plane home. We get there, he doesn't do anything. It was probably one of the worst periods of my life, that, that six months.
2: Hello listeners, it's Daz here from Pints of Football once again with some juicy bonus content. Last week we released our season finale of Lost Clubs and already it has become one of our most popular episodes to date. As a result we wanted to treat Hereford fans to the unedited interview with Matt Healy. Enjoy and don't forget to head to Sports Social to check out the rest of our stuff. Thanks for
0: joining us Matt. please tell us about yourself and your involvement with both incarnations of Hereford Football Club
1: yeah so um, it all kind of technically goes back to 1947 Um, so my great-granddad was um, a chap called Fred Turner and he was living in the Midlands I think he was living in in Burton Burton area anyhow he got a job as the secretary of Hereford United so he relocated his family uh, so it was his, um, his wife and his three daughters to Hereford so my uh, gran was one of Fred's daughters, and she married a Hereford man, um, and then they had four children. And their oldest is my dad, Mike, and he started going for football in 1962, um, and then I was a little kid and I wanted to go, so I first went in 1988. We we beat Carlisle two one, and I've been supporting them ever since. And um, I was always involved in like radio and DJing. So by 2002, there was an opportunity to um, help out. Um, it was like a charity match, Emmerdale against Coronation Street to do the PA. Um, <laughs> so there was, there was. I think Sam Dingle was there, and um, the, the chap who was on Strictly, was it, um, was it, uh, was it Andy, Andy Sugden in is it Emmerdale, uh, Kel, Kelvin somebody. Yeah. yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't really watch it, but he, he was there. And all I remember from the, the game was loads of like teenagers running on the pitch trying to embrace the. The, the stars of Croatia <laughs> and everything I was like saying, "Please get off a pinch," um, and that went well. And then um, the guy that was normally doing the um, the uh, the PA said, "Do you want to come and help do the scoreboard?" Um, so I helped doing the scoreboard, and then it just naturally progressed that when he got a job at BBC Hereford and Worcester, um, I then uh, did the match day PA, and I've been doing that since properly since two thousand and four. So um, nice,
0: nice, and just uh, yeah, carried on in the new club.
1: Yeah, so, so Hereford United um, was liquidated in 2014, um, so, so when it got liquidated, luckily we stayed at Edgar Street, so I think with a lot of clubs that have gone bust, it's so important to go back to that ground. Um,
0: it is magic when it happens, Like um, I think it happened with Halifax, obviously it's happened with Mac and it's always really good news when all grounds get preserved like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, all the shots, another one. But then you get teams like, um, I know what's going on with Berry, but I'm not sure if they're going to be going back to Gig Lane. I, yeah, it's I just, I, playing, it's just the, the original Berry trying to
0: carry on in some sort of weird zombified form, like denying all reality. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I suppose you kind of already answered this one, but it, my next question is, what made you want to become more than just a fan of the club? Um, I guess what made you just, just generally interested in media and PA stuff?
1: Yeah, I did. I, I used to be quite a very, I was a quite shy kid. Um, I basically had a had a, um, a facial problem, <laughs> um, so so basically my, my lower jaw was um, not developed and my teeth were all wonky, and you know God, I wasn't a very confident lad to be honest. So I kind of got was encouraged by my parents to do things like judo and stuff like that. I, I just was useless at it. So um, I was always involved in, um, or wanted to be involved in um, sports journalism. So I ended up joining Hospital Radio when I was 14. Really um, for all a great start. It's a, it's a real start. And I was pretty hopeless, to be honest, but it was, it was a starting point And it just gave me a bit, a bit of confidence. Um, and then I ended up doing Hospital Radio commentaries at the ground. So uh, behind the meadow end, there was uh, like a, some sort of press box. And we used to do commentaries back to the patients. Oh wow. It really, yeah, I don't know. Hardly, hardly anyone listened. But we did like we did the Leicester game in the FA Cup in nineteen ninety-nine. We, we drew Neil Miller at Edgar Street and went back to, to Leicester and we'll really be lost in the extra time. But they brought down it was their first team, like they, it was when it was serious. So mm-hmm. Martin Emil was the manager, and there was uh, Neil Emil and Steve Guppy, Neil Lennon, um Jerry Taggart, Tim Flowers. So they all played. So we did the commentary for that. And um it just progressed. And the Keith Hall who was doing BBC Hero from Worcester. Uh, and doing the, the match day pa um he, he knew of me and he said do, do you fancy helping out and i just thought yeah i was getting into dj and then in the, in, the, in hereford so i was doing the, the pubs and clubs around then i was in my early 20s and in my prime um it just thought it just all came together really um it just snowballed um and it was a it's, it's a good it's a good selling point so i do mobiles mobile weddings and um parties what i did do before covid hopefully back again soon but Mm -hmm. being like a match announcer at the football club is always a good selling point i think and um extra 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 profile you never uh you you never uh get
2: asked to be like match day announcer at weddings then
1: (laughs) no we we did we did do um a proposal on the pitch though a few years ago Uh It's, it's on it's on youtube i'll send it over but I said the worst thing to the lad though because he said um, he said I'm going to you know we're going to propose to to my partner my fiance on the pitch, and I'm just thinking completely like I shouldn't have said this but I'm like well what if she says no? (laughs) I think it was like the fear (laughs) on his face. I was like it'll be (laughs) all right it'll be all right she'll be fine it'll be fine. I was like I shouldn't have said that but um, luckily she said yes and um, yeah we did that on the pitch like like five thousand fans there it was one of the games towards the end of the season (laughs) when we won the league. But yeah, we did a we did a live proposal, um, so that was that was good. Nice, interesting okay. stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so talking about specifically your involvement with United, then with the old club, uh, could you give us a summary of your favourite moments being involved with the old Hereford club?
1: Yeah, so my first um, my first actual game was against Scarborough. Um, I think we lost one nil. It was pretty pretty awful game. Um. So the first one I, I do remember. Um, around about that time, Richard O'Kelly had come on to help Graham Turner. So Graham Turner was the he was the manager, he was the, the owner of the club, he did everything. And Richard O'Kelly came on to to be his coach. Now Rich is now Aston Villa with Dean Smith. Um, but Richard O'Kelly brought in this really positive way of coaching, this kind of the um, philosophical way of doing things and not giving players ear bashings and Hereford then had um, signed a lot of young players released from higher level clubs like, like Rob Purdy and um, seeing that, that kind of team evolve and it was tweaked and it was changed. But from 2002 to 2009, um, Hereford was was always on a club on the up. So we've gone from conference to, to what was or what is now league one. Um, So we, we played Leeds and Leicester um, we, we beat Leeds at Edgar Street in the League 2-0. It's just, just to think how you know, we did that. And it's just so, so weird. So, so about actual kind of period of going up to League 1 was fantastic. Um, you know, winning promotion to the Football League. We, we played Morecambe in the, in the playoffs. Um, 3-2 at, at Hereford, 4-3 on Aquiga. And a guy called Guillapua scored the winning goal. And I remember when he scored, just looking over to the meadow end. And it was absolutely bangy He was like, wow and I like doing like the you know the the third goal scorer for Hereford United number 10 gearpa and just that yeah. roar. oh that was fantastic that that was probably my my best memory um in terms of a match but just that whole kind of era it was great and being on the, the same level playing the field as, as Leicester and, and Leeds United you know was fantastic and we played Leeds on a Tuesday and they brought like 2000 fans cold tuesday in february massive club you know i, I remember they'd won the league uh what's sorry now um, premier league what was division one um was it 92 yeah um so yeah that was just amazing and to, to be on the same you know hereford on the same pitch as leeds same level was, was brilliant so that was probably the the highlight and then it all kind of went a bit wrong
2: well, what I was just about to say is it's one thing to draw a massive club in the FA Cup or the League Cup or whatever, you just mentioned Leicester, but to be in the same league as some of these teams is a whole different feeling, isn't it? To know that you're playing them in the same league as equals is, is a massive thing for a club like Hereford especially.
1: Yeah, like, you know our grind hasn't really been changed since the seventies, so um, <laughs> it's, 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 probably, it's probably the worst grind in League One at the time. And Leeds got Ellen Road, and Leicester got the um, it King Power Stadium. I think it might be in the Walker Stadium. Yeah, the
2: the
1: yeah they've got the fantastic stadium. And you know, you, you sometimes feel like, do do we belong here? But we got there on merit. You know, we we got there, and Leeds and Leicester were going through a bad time. That's why they were in that league. But it was just great to to be. You know and seeing those all those away fans come down. You know, I, I've we've had teams when we've been in the non league we have brought like less than 10 fans, but when Leeds and Leicester are bringing like 2,000, yeah. um, it's just it's just fantastic, and that was really good. It was just that whole period of boom was, was great, and um, <laughs>
2: Yeah, we sort of, we joked about uh, on the reverse of that when um, the new Hereford was formed, when you guys came to uh, Brockton, who's one of my local teams, and they're sort of away end, or in fact, the whole the whole pitch is basically a grass purge. So to have you guys turning up with hundreds of fans was like something out of a, out of a, you know, obscure film, really.
1: Yeah, it was just such an anomaly when in in that, in that first season because we because um, we were in the midland leagues, so all the away games were, were reasonably close, and we take, you know, we take hundreds of fans, and a lot of clubs would, you know, they, they, they get Hereford would, would come down, and you know the the admission fee and the, the the receipts in the in the in the bars and the the cafes, is fantastic, and it, I think it helped a lot of clubs financially. Um, that season, do really well, and we just took a great following to all those games, and you know we were winning. You know we went on a fantastic run. I think we lost one match from about um, from from the October till the end of the season, and it was just. if you get success, it just it just carries on, and all, all those clubs in that league were, um, you know, did, doing well at the Hereford fans, and it was it was great. You know, it's a great way for, you know we need money in non-league football, and uh, the Hereford fans and Hereford being in that level was. You know that that only would have happened if they would have had to start again, and um, yeah, it was just a, it was a yes to real time. And imagine the you know the, the you know the Brockton fans. Normally there'd be hardly any away supporters, and you've got hundreds of hair of fans <laughs> surrounding the uh, the ground. Yeah, a lot different. Um,
2: okay, so um, moving on to a, a slightly uh, more depressing point. Um, could you pinpoint a specific time frame or sequence of events that you feel led to the ultimate demise of Hereford United? Yeah, it's
1: quite a few things. It was a uh, it, it was a, a bit of a spiral. So Graham Turner left um, May 2010. So he 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 sold the club and he then went and managed Shrewsbury Town, who he'd managed in the, the 70s and 80s. So um, he sold the club to a, a local fella called uh, David Keat, who was um, Successful businessman. He'd, uh, he'd got a variety of businesses. He'd, he'd run a school as well. Um, successful guy. Uh, and uh, he came on board and um, took the club on. Uh, they appointed um, Simon Davey, as manager, ex-Barnsley. So he, he his stock was high because when he was at Barnsley, he'd, uh, I think they beat Chelsea in the FA Cup, got to the semifinals. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. He'd been at Darlington. And they appointed him as manager. Big fanfare. Players were signed on two-year contracts. Um, first game of the season, we beat Crew 1-0. All started well. And then it just just capitulated. Kept losing. The crowds then went, uh, dipped. They were below 2,000. Um, they gave Simon Davy 10 games and he was sacked. Gets a payoff. His assistant gets a payoff. So Jamie Pittman was the physio. So they put him in charge and did a great job. Kept us up. Um but then they gave him a two-year contract so the next season we had an awful start and then Gary Peters came in who was I think he was ex-Preston manager um, they didn't see eye to eye and then they're trying to sign players and contracts and then we got relegated um, so when you get relegated you get the parachute money but you still got players on decent, decent money and then when you're not winning the crowds go down. Uh, and then what do you do? Do you throw more money at it? Um, in the in, you know in the in the thinking that you'll start winning games, you throw more money at it, but it's still not working. Crowds are going down. So in your, and then you are in the, in the national league, um, and then then the playoffs were different. I think it's tops no top team goes up isn't it? Six playoff. Well back then it was four playoffs, so we finished mm. six, and then it's just a case of. The fans aren't coming through the turnstiles. You're paying money for for contracts. Um, We stayed that last game of the season, 2014, beat Aldershot 2-1. David Keat wanted out. He just wanted out. He'd he'd lost a lot of money. He'd lost over half a million quid of his own money. Um, So there were talks that the supporters trust were going to buy the club. Um, He sold the club to an Essex businessman called Tom Niagomba, who was a convicted criminal. Um, Bit of a character. (laughs) <laughs> probably the best way to describe him. There's a guy called Andy Lonsdale there as well. Uh, and then what happened? Tommy Ogomba had to pay the National League of Bond to say that Hereford could complete the season. Um, he didn't do that. So Hereford then got relegated to two leagues, so into the Southern League. And then as soon as he didn't do that, he just completely lost the, the supporters. Um, and then they they brought in, brought in young players who sold the dream. There was a boycott. so sort of Fans were boycotting the club. Um, I carried on working there. It was, it was very difficult, um, and then you know we were getting crowds of three, four hundred, and you know the the tax bill was was looming, and basically that's what happened. it got liquidated, nineteenth um, of December. The HCMRC. So,
0: so you were halfway through a season in the Southern League. Yeah,
1: we, um, yeah, we weren't doing that bad. Um, there a guy called John Taylor was a manager and there was one period at that time where they won six games on the banks nice. and there was, some de- there were some decent players, but the problem was it was, it was horrific because you, you had supporters boycotting supporters that were still going. You had uh, the, the arguments and but my take on it was I couldn't see that football club get killed. Yeah. That was my, that was my thing. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, we don't want people running the football club that are criminals and you know, the way they go, about it, and they weren't paying wages, and it was just a complete mess. It was, it was horrible. You know, people were saying that they wanted to take the leases to to knock the ground down and build on there. Um, so you can see everybody's point of view, but it was horrible. It was probably one of the worst periods of my life. That that six months, because yeah, for it sure, was I'm, horrific.
0: I've never heard of a physio being given the manager's job, and then being kept on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just it was just horrible. And then when the club was wound up, um, it was just a case of securing Edgar Street. I, I knew that if I knew if Phoenix Club would start again, but the important thing was to keep Edgar Street. If you go back to Edgar yeah. Street, it was going to be fine. Um, so what happened was the leases that the club owned. So what David Keat had done is he bought the leases back. So if any development had had happened, the club would have got the money. Um, those leases went back to the council. Um, so they, they own the leases now. But they, they gave Hereford um a, a lease. I think it was a like five year lease to start with, and then they've extended it. But um, it means they're still playing Egg Street. but they don't own the uh, the redevelopment rights. So fair enough. Um, bit of a shame that. But um, but yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I mean, um, so that really sort of goes into the next question, which is just simply, how did you feel when you heard that the Phoenix Club had been accepted into the Midlands Football League? Uh, yeah, just six months on. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Yeah, so we we got wound up on the, the December twenty fourteen, and I, I that was probably a good time for it to be wound up <clears> because they had time then to put in the application for the following season. So um, the there was a consortium that got together. Uh, a guy called John Hale was the chairman, and a few others, and they put a package together. Had to go to the council to get the uh, the ground um, to be. Uh, you know, so they could play at Edgar Street, and uh, yeah, we got accepted into the into the Midland League, and I, I just knew it would go well. So I knew that they would win matches, and you know, with, with football, as long as you're winning matches and playing good football, you know, you, you'll get the crowds.
0: Um, yeah. So, what would you say would be the main differences between being a Hereford fan and a Hereford United fan, uh,
1: if any? Uh, it's pretty much still the same because. This, it's back at Edgar Street, so they they yeah. wear black and white, which is the obviously Hereford United colours. Um, back at Edgar Street, um, there's still some people that don't kind of um, what's the word uh, they they don't accept Hereford FC. So there's there's a few supporters that don't go there anymore, which is sad. Yeah, um, weird. but then what Hereford FC did when it when it started, it kind of got a lot of families involved and you had you know they were doing like kids tickets for a quid and they really got the community involved um so there isn't really any difference to be honest bar the name uh it's still it's still totally the same and what 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 was really good was when Hereford FC started um Rob Purdy was one of the first signings who played for Hereford United and then Ryan Green signed into the first like the September of the first season so you had that kind of the torch carrying on with, with Ryan Green and Rob Purdy who were massively successful at Hereford United and then they were now playing at Hereford FC so you had that as well, which was, that was nice, really important. Yeah. To do that. Um, we were
0: wondering if there was anyone apart from Rob that had come from the old club but we couldn't um, immediately find
1: anything so that's interesting. Yeah, there's, there's, quite a, there's quite a few that have played for both. This, we were talking about the other day, there's about 15 players over the, the, the few years have played for both clubs. It's like Josh Galen, who's Hereford FC's manager now. He had a loan spell at Hereford United in 2009, and then he played for Hereford FC before he retired and became manager. So, yeah. And there's a guy called James McCulkin in the for Hereford FC, and he was Hereford United for a bit. So, um, yeah. There's, there's about 15 players, I think. So, uh, yeah. Just,
2: I just wanted to quickly go back on that, just because it was something you just mentioned that I was quite interested in. When you said you were obviously working for um, United up until the end because of that feeling of not wanting to give up on the club. Um, Do you feel that, like, other people who you knew, either from the club or fans or whatever, um, do you think they... uh, How do you think they would have felt knowing you were still working there? Do you think they, like, just were sympathetic to your situation or did they say, oh, you should walk away? Or did you have any, like... Awkward conversations or situations that brewed up because of being still there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, no one ever said anything to my face, so I never had any any problems to my face. Never. Um, social media was pretty brutal. Um, there's quite a few things that were said, um, but but no one ever said anything to my face. Um, it's funny. I, I, there was a there's a guy that I was friends with. Uh, we did hospital radio together, and um, you know we don't speak anymore. Um, because he was he was getting quite abusive on, on social media. He was uh, writing on my wall on Facebook. like abuse. <laughs> it was like <laughs> so It's like come on, mate. Um, so oh, yeah. I blocked him. Um, but yeah, it's just weird. No one ever no, no one ever called me up. No one ever said anything to my face. But it was all on you know Twitter and, and Facebook. Um, but you know I made the decision. Um, they always paid me. I, I was still paid. they they never you know they never they never didn't pay me uh and then the money that i did get paid because i knew what was going to happen i knew the club's get liquidated because it couldn't sustain um crates of three or four hundred and and the and the 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 boycott around the the city um i I knew it was going to go by christmas so all that money that i was paid i put in an envelope and then donated it to the supporters trust as a as a bit of a you know a bit of a Kickstart for the new clubs, only a couple of hundred quid, but um, oh, that's you know, pretty good. On it. <laughs> but, but yeah, but yeah,
0: while, while there's an outside chance of you know saving the name, then I think it is the right thing to do, like no matter how bad it gets. I don't, I don't, I don't know about doing a support boycott while there's still a chance to save it, like um,
1: yeah, I don't know, it's, lot of I think of that it's it's I think Chester because Chester, um. Chester City got liquidated, uh, and they boycotted. I think Stephen Vaughan was the chairman at the time, and he—he—you he, know—he's a bit of a notorious character. Um, but that they, they boycotted. I—I uh, I, I didn't agree with the boycott. Um, other people did, um, but it's—you know—everyone makes their, their decisions. I—I um, I personally was worried that if the club was liquidated, the council would have taking the leases and just yeah, after, yeah you know we all know the financial situation with local councils at the moment and hereford's football ground is in the uh, pretty much in the city center so you know that easily could have my worry was it could have been not a football club anymore um because right next to the football club used to be a cattle market and it's all been redeveloped now. You got Waitrose and there's Odeon Cinema and a few, few nice, uh, few chains. So you've got, you've got this really nice redevelopment, and then a, a you know, a football ground that's crumbling. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my, that was my worry um, with, with the council. But luckily, council were really good, and they, um, you know, let the, let the new club start, and um, you know, and three promotions in a row was great, and uh, just a case of trying to, you know, get eventually get back in the football league and. That's where the money is. <laughs> Terrific, yeah. Um, we'll probably all meet up in League Two before too long. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so the last question is pretty open-ended. It's just, uh, can you tell us a particularly interesting story about your time with Hereford United that maybe would, people wouldn't know about?
1: Um, yeah. Um, the, the marriage proposal was quite interesting. Um, I remember going to the to the ground one afternoon. I don't know why. I, I, I think I have left my microphone there or something. And there was a, there was a game on the on the on the pitch, and um my mate went with me as well. And I was like looking at the touchline. Oh, that's Glen Hoddle? And <gasps> it was it was it was basically it was Hereford against Glen Hoddle's Academy. So it was like Glen Hoddle was stood on the touchline. But when you look at the, it, think Kyle looks like Glen Hoddle. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's Glen Hoddle. You so were going, going to say
0: it was Hereford versus just Glenn Hoddle.
1: But yeah, so so there's that. I um, can't really think of anything else that um, happened. Um, We've we had a ball paraded around the pitch a few times, which is quite quite interesting. <laughs> oh. Any uh, any
2: <laughs> match day announcement blunders?
1: <laughs> um, no, uh, no, not nothing. I always had to be careful saying Kenny Lunt, who was, Hereford player for about three seasons. I was all, I always thought about saying that because, you know, Kenny Lunt yeah. didn't go <laughs> wrong, um, but that was all right. Um, no, not not really. I, I remember getting the score wrong on the scoreboard. I think you know I meant to put one nil and I put seven nil and you know, everything. Dreamland. So like yeah, so that wasn't that wasn't very good. Um, no, nothing that I can think about. Um, we've we never re- I've never really announced against. We never really played a big club, um, like in the FA Cup since I've been there. Like we, we we never played. Obviously, Leicester are doing really well now, but when we when we were against them, they were uh, League One. So we never I'm, I've never been like in Man United or Arsenal or or Chelsea or, or Man City. Um, we had Cardiff the, the season they got to the final in two thousand and eight maybe um, they beat us in the fourth round uh, jimmy floyd hasselbank play remember that um, but now yes. it's um nothing really that i can think of which is a bit of a boring answer but uh. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I thought we'll the, the
2: uh, wedding proposal is quite a good story and uh, also the uh, the moment of getting to announce the goal uh, when you were on your way to getting promotion that's that's a pretty big moment pretty special moment
1: yeah, I still remember it now. It was, it was a night game. It was uh, it was in May. It was a warm, warm evening, and I, I like football when it's warm because it looks better, doesn't it? You know, you've got this, You know, the start of the season when the pitch is nice, and everyone's in short sleeves, and the end yeah. of the season when the pitch is a bit of a barren, but everyone's still looking, looking, you know, spring, summery. Um,
0: I yeah. fully think that like um, levels eight and nine should be during the summer. Because like it means that you don't have to compete with professional teams, you get to just go in nice weather and shorts and stuff, and you won't get all those ridiculously long fixture congestions, like we have pretty much every year because
1: of the weather. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I I think there's probably a bit. I think they're sorting that out now, but I think there's a bit too much football that's played. In the, in the lower leagues you know, like yeah. you know, a lot of cup competitions and oh, then you God, end up yeah. with ridiculous fixture congestion where you're playing like every you know Tuesday Thursday Saturday and it's you know and these players aren't paid much at that level if anything and they got day jobs and it's just a bit ridiculous. I, I think they kind of sorted it out now but when we, when we won the Southern League 2018 we played something like 65 games and it's like it's like we're part-time it's, it's just a bit yeah. too much. So we get
0: um obviously well Rem, the team that I help out with Roman Glass, we get the Hellenic League, we get uh the FA Vars, we get the um FA Cup, got the uh well I don't know what the League Cup is now, we've just been shifted over to the Hellenic League and we'll we'll also be in the Gloucester FA Challenge trophy, which is always a drag. <laughs> like oh god. Oh, I wish you could just put the reserves in, but it doesn't work like that.
1: it's all right when you've got a 3g 4g pitch um we do yeah Yeah, so so that's good because you can you know you rent that out can't you and you can train on it and that's good and you know the pitch isn't going to be absolutely battered by the the you know the rain um but yeah i I think i think summer summer football would be good and it would be decent crowds as well Um, exactly i see no downside we're just dying for football, that's all it is. <laughs> <Get> <laughs> um, they do it Ireland, isn't it? the Ireland play their matches in the, yeah. the, the spring and summer.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, we went over to watch uh, Dundalk one of the years that when they won the league. We went over for the last game of the season and it was quite funny because um, they were all saying on Twitter it's going to be a sellout, but there was no way to pre-order tickets um, from England so I basically had to phone the box office and be like, please, 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 can you, like, put us two behind the counter? We're we'll coming yeah. over from England. Please don't let us get there and then tell us it's sold out. <laughs> it was a little bit of wing a the I wasn't
0: it? It worked out.
2: Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to this Pint Football podcast. We would like to inform listeners that the content of this podcast has been permitted for use in this podcast only, and the content is from the view of the individuals involved, not Pint of Football. Thank you to Rob Purdy, Matt Healy, and Becky Meadowcroft for sparing their time to help us with this recording.
0: If you have enjoyed this presentation, please feel free to follow us on Twitter at POF underscore reviews on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash pintofootball. We also have a website pintofootball.co.uk, I believe. And we have recently joined Twitch, where we will be streaming Football Manager, and that's twitch.tv forward slash Football. Thank you very much.